Hi, and welcome back to Stand Partners for Life. I'm Nathan. I'm Akiko. And today's episode is going to be all about injury, well, more fitness, violin fitness, staying healthy, hopefully avoiding injury, but then also uh, what to do when you're hurt, how to work around it, and just, yeah, to talk about the reality that everybody has aches and pains and sometimes worse. So uh, I know at this point in the LA Phil season, basically the last few weeks, um, we're sort of like a hospital ward at this point. I feel like everybody's one step away from sort of falling to pieces. Do you see that in our sections? Um, I don't know. I haven't talked to too many people. I mean, there's, we've, we've lost one. Right. But yeah, I, you know, and I, I'm kind of hobbling along here. I'm like, oh yeah. Wrist, what you... And you've got your, okay, so that's three of us <laughs> that we know of. So maybe you're right. Well, and that's, understandable i mean we always jokingly a lot of the time but you know we compare ourselves to sports teams especially nba i watch a lot of basketball so coming into the playoffs just about everybody is uh beat up and yeah in basketball it's literally one step away from some season ending injury we're not quite as bad as that but um well our season doesn't really end so <laughs> we can't really afford to we don't have like you know four months off to no but we do you know we've got um four weeks um off from the orchestra coming up which is something it goes fast in terms of yeah no it, it does go fast but it is a chance to to rest things which in pretty much all endeavors rest and recovery are, are the real keys if you've got an issue going on and as the the weeks go by during the season yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to find even a 48-hour period when you're not playing. And, you know, we like to play every day to stay in shape. So, yeah, those are all the issues we'll be, we'll be talking about. Well, what, what do you have going on right now? Well, um, I mentioned my wrist. So, yeah, that's uh, it's hurting me. Yeah, and I, uh, my right shoulder just a few days ago started up on me. Mm, not coincidentally probably we've been going to the gym a lot so (laughs) well yeah we're going to talk about that because um yeah i don't intend to stop going to the gym and i'm sure you don't either but we're going to talk about how to do it smart smartly before we launch into it i wanted to thank those of you who've gone to itunes and given us a, a nice rating and even better a review uh just a short little written review what that does is it helps other people find the show and we just really appreciate it so much. And as you've probably heard in some other episodes, we read those and take them to heart and try to improve stand partners based on your feedback. So if you can take a moment to go to iTunes and leave that rate, uh, rating and or review, it's amazing. I, I don't do it enough to the shows I listen to. I always think, Oh, this is a great show. I'm going to leave a review and then I put it off. And so I'm really grateful when you're able to do that. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention, and so instead of 
demanding things of you. This is something we, uh, we are giving to you. Um, transcripts. You may have noticed if you've uh, been looking at the actual episode pages on natesviolin.com, um, you may have noticed that starting with episode nine, which was my episode with Nate Farrington, um, we've been including written transcripts of the entire shows. Um, so that's for episodes nine up till now. And that's something we're going to continue doing um, for a few reasons. Uh, first, it helps those with any kind of disability or difficulty in listening to the podcasts. It helps those folks enjoy the interviews and the shows. And also, I, I don't know about you. Well, actually, I do know about you, Akiko. You're not a big uh, audio listener, I think, for a couple reasons. One, it puts you to sleep. Like, if you actually had to hear me talking on the <laughs> through speakers or headphones instead of in real life, I think you would just go right to sleep. <laughs> so if you actually listen to the show. We should we should try that, you know, when I'm having trouble sleeping. That's true. So just listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, so for you, you know, but you're a real reader and, and you're a fast reader. And so I just, I know, like, let's say it was some other subject and someone said, oh, you know, Akiko, I have this is a really cool interview. Let me forward you the link. It's a 45 minute audio thing. Uh, you know, you're not going to say, okay, let me just block out an hour today because you don't really have that unless you're driving. And yeah, like I say, you don't want to fall asleep behind the wheel. So anyway, if someone did forward that to you, you would probably only enjoy it if you could zip through it reading. Yeah. And then uh, because it's written, it's uh, searchable. So let's say you heard something on one of our episodes, or you just wanted to, to find a particular episode and you remembered a certain topic or word or phrase, Google it, and then the episode page will come up because it's searchable. So transcripts are something we're really happy to, to finally um, offer on the show. So no more uh, dilly-dallying. Let's talk about getting hurt or not getting hurt. And uh, you had thought uh, a great way to, to start would be talking about daily activities, um, things to do or not to do to, to avoid injury. So should we talk about fitness in the gym? Sure. You mean things that, that we do every day that can, can lead to injury or, or, or that we can do to avoid injury? Yeah. So non-music related things that just get you set up, right? Well, I, it's ironic because until about two months ago, I think I was maybe a little smug about the gym and I thought, you know, most people think most musicians are a little bit afraid or a lot of them are afraid of, of working out, you know, lifting weights. They're afraid that um, it's going to lead to a injury or reduce their ability to play. Yeah, I hear that a lot. And so I, I think I was actually having this conversation with a trainer at the gym while I was, you know, doing something with kettlebells or something. And then and then I, I think it was literally like that later that week, I suddenly started feeling a twinge. It was, like, it was like, yeah, I was just coming back to, my words are coming back to haunt me. So I... <laughs> Kettlebell karma. Yeah. And I had, you know, I don't know if it was push-ups or something. I've got these kind of little scrawny bony wrists. And um, now, yeah, I'm in, ever since then, I've been kind of in uh, on and off in pain. And not necessarily when you're playing, but partly that. No, I can feel feel it sometimes when I'm playing, but, um, yeah, I'm assuming it has to do with, 
the workout, you know, as you, you've been to some of those classes at, at our gym and, you know, they're very, <laughs> they're very <clears throat> focused on doing a lot of reps and, um, yeah, kind of in a military <laughs> drill style and they're fast moving. You feel like you can't really say no. So, um, so there's that and, you know, and, and it's true. These exercises don't take into consideration the fact that, you know, we, we do have to be mindful of, of, you know, little parts of our bodies. I think what can be difficult about staying in great uh, physical shape for the violin or just, you know, great violin shape, you know, we rely on these tiny muscles and small body parts with a lot of repetitive motion. Yet most of the time when you're working things out at the gym, you're doing a lot of big muscles and some of those big muscle exercises are supported by smaller ones. So when you're doing a bench press, uh, you might be lifting a lot of weight, which is fine for the chest, but you know, the last point of contact with the bar are the fingers and then right below that, the wrists. And so if your wrists aren't positioned properly for that, then. Well, and you saw me doing, I think actually you may have seen me the day that i tweaked whatever this is because remember it was like a kettlebell some kind of annoying one arm kettlebell chest press either incline or flat or something and you saw me and you know the trainer wasn't really nearby while I was doing it and I had my I wasn't paying attention but I had I was holding the kettlebell kind of with my wrist bent and that was really putting a lot of strain on the wrist and you you said make sure you keep your wrist straight and by that that point I think it was too late I'd already done some damage and yeah so you really have to pay attention to your form obviously yeah and i mean i think in your case now it's nothing that you know a couple easy days wouldn't fix yeah. well it's I mean, probably a, probably taking a few days off the online shopping wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> probably do. bending that wrist to type away at the at the sales. You know, that scrolling on that that trackpad that's that's true well you know it used to be phones um you know, back when people used full-size phones with cords and everything, and you'd see secretaries or, you know, anybody that talked on the phone all day. With the neck? Well, the neck could be bad, but just the way that you would hold the phone if you would bend your wrist back, uh, hmm. um, that actually, people got little injuries from that too. With all that said, people might wonder why ever go to the gym, you know, should we just trade you know, if we want to be in our best shape for the violin, wouldn't we just sacrifice the gym and, you know, doing any kind of weight stuff? I feel, I just feel better playing the violin when I'm in shape, including, you know, weight and strength stuff. Um, I mean, I used to lift more weights than I do now. And believe anybody who's seen me, you're not going to confuse me with a bodybuilder or anything like that. But I, <laughs> I have gone through times when I've done more more weights. And first of all, I enjoy it. I, I think it's relaxing and it, it is good for overall health. And when you do the motions properly, and if you're not, you know, really trying to break any records or anything, there, there are very safe ways to do it. So that, I mean, that's the re- those are reasons to do it, but yeah, with these classes, they are so fast paced and the trainers are there to keep things moving and they're not, <laughs> it's not the kind of place where I really feel comfortable asking a lot of questions, right? You, you feel like a weak link, like you're going to hold things back. 
I, I mean, I love our gym, but um, oh yeah, they're not expecting to hear a lot of yeah, a lot of like, oh, I can't do this. Can you just you don't want to stick out, <laughs> right? But in. I mean, if if you had concern, I mean, if someone was in there with concerns, then they definitely should speak up, and actually, I should speak up when I'm not sure, you know, because our <laughs> playing the violin is important. It's a bit more important than going to the gym. So I guess, you know, for those of you out there who, who are active at the gym or, you know, playing whatever kind of sports balance, what you're doing against, uh, playing the violin and the violin has different importance to all of us. For us, we pretty much have to do it a lot. So we, there are things we sacrifice. I probably wouldn't ever take up skiing at this point in my life. Well, yeah. And I, you know, I used to ride horses a lot. Um, when I was, you know, a teenager and it's always crossed my mind, Oh, wouldn't it be fun to get back on a horse and get back on the horse. Um, <laughs> and then I'm thinking, you know, why couldn't do that? I mean, like it, part of riding is falling and, you know, at my age, at our age, falling off a horse can really mean broken bones. And right. That's the other thing. I mean, which, and anybody out there knows who's advancing in years. Well, I guess everybody is, but, um, yeah, your body's not the same as it was and so for that reason too yeah i try to be more cautious at the gym and stay in my comfort zone unless i'm working really closely with a trainer that i trust and that being said i mean you know when i had a personal trainer uh, back in chicago i i did feel like she would really kind of you know get me feeling kind of beat up a lot of the time like these intense workouts and then I remember one time we were playing Elgar Symphony that night or the next day or something. And, and I was like, I was so sore. I could barely lift my arms. And I thought, how am I going to make it through this like hour long symphony? <laughs> and then I got there and it was like, they're totally different muscles. Like it didn't matter at all. And then, and then I realized that I, I felt like I was playing better. You know, I, I would, I mean, not that day in particular necessarily, but, um, just having the muscle strength in your shoulders, especially. I mean, yeah. she would often talk about protecting your rotator cuff. And she was great because she was a violinist also. And so she knew what to avoid and what to strengthen. Yeah, so that's great. Um, it was great. And I felt that it actually made me play louder, which I don't know if that's a good thing necessarily. But it, I, yeah. I, had, I had the heft in the right parts of my arm to really get a lot of sound out, I think, you know, without tension and... Um, yeah, so I that, think that's you know, more it, right? Because it, it doesn't take a lot of strength to get sound on the violin, but when your shoulders are strong, like you're mentioning... But I mean, yeah, if you're then, tense, you get tired, obviously, yeah. much more easily. So, you know, I would I would just kind of be able to... And, you know, and your posture is better, so you're yep. you're able to get better angles on your instrument. So I think it, it usually is a great thing to, to have that strength that just at this particular time, at this particular moment, you know, I did something stupid. And I do think it was that kettlebell business, but... Um, you know, you just really have to, again, at our age or, you know, anybody in our profession probably has to say, you know, go, go a little slowly, make sure that you've got your form exactly right. Because if you do these exercises correctly, I don't think you're going to get injured. But if you, anything, you know, everybody, especially start getting tired of the gym, you, things start sliding, you're not paying as much attention. And then that's when, you know, you, you will do something that could result in injury. Right. And as far as other daily activities to do not to do um well i think a common one for people with young children babies or um, i know um 
they have it. It's actually called like mommy thumbs or something, right? Not a oh right, you know, right, hooking your hands, hooking your thumbs under the kids' armpits to pick them up. Yeah, which we all do. I mean, how else are you supposed to pick up your kid, right? <laughs> yeah. So then you know you that 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 tendon that you know at the base of your thumb yeah. on oh, both that's... hands. Sometimes you just end up feeling like you can't pick anything up anymore. I didn't know it was called that. I think I've had mommy thumbs. Yeah, well, I'm sure it was not named in recent years. <laughs> yeah, actually, picking up kids because <laughs> they're a little less predictable than the weights at the gym, too. Because, as you know, a 20-pound a kid can feel really light if they're cooperating, or they can feel like a 65-pound dumbbell that's thrashing around. And we, we didn't have light children. No, they're pretty chunky, especially <laughs> one of them. In a cute way. What about prevention now? Um, stretching is that I, I used to have a stretching routine before I played that I got from one of my teachers. And I, I kind of stopped doing it after a while. It, at first, it was probably out of laziness. But I know another reason for me was that I, I actually felt like I, I started feeling tighter after doing the stretches hmm. before I played. I've um, never, I've been not good over the years. Well, but there's a, I've almost never stretched before I played. But isn't there research in a lot of sports now that shows that stretching before you work out is not always necessarily doesn't promote looseness? Yeah. I mean, and I, I've seen, you know, it seems to go a little bit back and forth. I yeah. Mean, there's a pendulum, right? Um, I mean, yeah, I'm not every, sure. People always say warm up. I think that's a common thing that, that happens with elite athletes in any sport, but it's not always, okay, let's stretch the muscles and then do the sport or the activity. Yeah, I, what's the thought is that stretching a cold muscle is not a great idea. Right. And that's, that's what I often hear now. And that was kind of my experience stretching out the arms and the hands and the fingers before I played. So, you know, what I do now is is basically just get started playing but very slowly and in a very relaxed way and i know for example like um talking about distance runners right the the kenyans they yeah they didn't stretch they just went out in the morning and ran some slow miles and then ran faster miles and then a lot faster yeah and we've we've seen that before races oh you mean people doing all kinds of weird yeah and you're running like you know, a couple miles even before they... Oh, you mean, okay, in a good way. Yeah, like the good runners running. Yeah, I mean, everybody, I think everybody's sort of adop adopted that habit to look more badass. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, whoa, you know, that... Well, that's right. Yeah, that guy's way. If you ever see me before I play, yeah, I'll be doing the really badass, slow... Well, you have your video. Playing warm-up. Improves what you're... I, I have been happier, yeah, not doing a set stretching routine, but... You know, I don't know that I'll feel that way for all time. Certainly um, not just jumping into really intense playing, which is a mistake that I've made many times, especially actually after I've taken time off. And that's the worst time to jump right into fast playing. But after I've taken time off, I'm I'm always, um, you know, scared that I will have lost, lost my fastball, so to speak. So, you know, I may be patient for a couple of minutes, but then I want to see if I can play the concertos and play the hard stuff and <laughs> try to jump right into it. And I'm always sorry. Well, so that being said, um, 
you have not, I mean, you're pretty careful in general, but you have not had any injuries except from moving. Right. Sure. Although I don't know if you remember, there was a playing component to that too. And right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. In my experience, most of the time, playing injuries come from a combination of violin, the violin side and the non-violin side. I, I feel like it's you almost need a confluence of of factors because you know hardly anybody's gonna press their fingers down too hard on the violin and have some catastrophic finger injury, but you can develop tension over time. Obviously you can get compressed nerves and that sort of thing. And then usually what happens is that some motion or some moment in your nonviolent life uh, brings it mm. to crisis. Thanks. That sounds like uh, something I'm headed for, but <laughs> I don't think so. No, like I say, just a couple easy days for you, I'm sure, which we'll, we'll get in about a week and a half when the season's over. You won't be playing Schumann for six hours a day. Um, no, my the injury that I had, pretty clearly, it was right around our one-year anniversary, so a little more than 10 years ago. Um, I had been asked to play a, a very brief solo program at some it was like at some chicago symphony donors apartment and you know some important people were going to be there and so i got sort of nervous and for some reason decided that the course of action should be to play really virtuosic stuff and really impress people maybe that was my idea <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i don't know but uh, i'm pretty sure and and for some reason it coincided with it was probably the very end of our season right because our anniversary is in June so it was a similar time frame to this the end of the season when everybody's kind of beat up and i hadn't been doing a lot of solo practicing and so i was going to be bringing back some virtuoso unaccompanied repertoire for this little thing so we were moving houses at that time and so, yeah, a lot of packing, a lot of moving of boxes. And I wanted to play Paganini first caprice and Paganini 24th caprice and some solo Bach. But yeah, I remember one day in particular, um, just deciding, okay, today's the day I'm really going to figure out how to play all those high thirds and tenths and whatever. And so, you know, from not doing a lot of solo practicing to two hours of that, then I, I remember after an hour or so, I realized I hadn't taken a break and my arm was kind of cramping up. And I did the the little apartment concert. And then a couple of days after that, probably in the context also of moving some boxes, yeah, my left bicep really just didn't feel right. And I, I went to work the next week. I remember it was Verdi Requiem. I did about 10 minutes of rehearsal and I couldn't vibrate at all. And I just knew something was not right. So yeah, I left work and I didn't come back for six weeks, I think it was. And that's the one time I've really missed work for that that stuff. And yeah, combination of being a little foolish with the moving stuff and definitely being foolish on the violin side of things. So I always, since I haven't had to miss work for an injury, and this is going to sound pretty callous to anyone who has, but it's like you kind of imagine like, yeah, it stinks to, to miss work, but you're like, you know, 
sit at home, you're, you're watching Netflix, or, or I guess <laughs> well, first back of all, then, not were, Netflix, but yeah. Well, they had Netflix, but it was, uh, you know, you'd get the DVD in the mail and then mail it back when you were done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like, mail, what's that? But yes, I think you just think, wow, that's, you know, sounds like you might secretly really be enjoying this, right? But I, I know from observing you up close, obviously, that that's not the case. And there's, you know, you really go through some kind of psychological stages once this you know once you start missing work and yeah you, you don't feel great about not being there yeah it, it was definitely a process like you said um at first it was awesome <laughs> because, no it was because you know I'd been, I'd been working a lot it was the end of the season but actually we were I said it was the end of the regular season but we were about to launch into the summer season there so I thought, well, I've been working hard and, uh, yeah, I deserve a break. It's too bad this happened, but you know, now I'll get to really rest up and this has never happened before. And so, yeah, why shouldn't I make the most of it and enjoy it? So sure. There was some, uh, TV and movie watching and, uh, I'm sure some other things I'd been wanting to take care of, but right after even just a few days, first of all, there's some fear. I'm sure it's all the classic stages that people go through with anything and you know this doc, ended up doc am i gonna be okay yeah well you know there's some it's like oh okay uh this it's been all fun and games for a few days but what if yeah what if this is a serious thing and it's gonna take a long long time and what if i don't come back the same and um then there are just more subtle things like you know once i had a prescribed course of action which was okay you've got arrested for yeah more than a couple days it's going to be weeks and you're going to go to occupational therapy and all this once i knew that it was probably going to be fine once i just gave it some time and did my my homework so to speak then it was more like yeah these (laughs) these days are getting pretty long i don't really know what to do when i'm not at least some of the time going in and playing the violin. Plus, you know, you were at work and all my friends were at work and, you know, you'd come home at the end of the day and like, Oh, uh, you know, talking with our friends. Oh, wasn't that great? What happened? Or this concert was great or, or this concert was terrible and I wasn't there. I, you know, I'm having to hear about it all secondhand and I'm just not used to that. I'm not getting any of the jokes and (laughs) well, it was, you know, like, ha ha ha. Uh, make sure and make Nathan feel as left out as possible. No, you didn't have to try. I was just, I was left out because I wasn't at work. And maybe you just need more friends outside of work. Well, that that is something that we <laughs> sometimes talk about, isn't it? Yeah, it was a, a taste of a life without the violin. And it was kind of scary because ever since we were kids, that has been such a big part of our life and, and our identity. Yeah. And anytime, even with minor injuries, now there, there's always i think that fear at first like what um yeah what if it's not the same afterward and of course everybody eventually comes to that point in their lives they're not playing professionally or or they're just not playing at all and hopefully you everybody's got a foundation you know they are a person apart from the the instrument so i know we we talk about that and we try to work on that so that's not exactly injury prevention but maybe misery prevention (laughs) for that time when you can't play the way that you want. Right. I mean, yeah, there's, I think we all assume that everything's going to go the way we want it to. I'm going to get too dark here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. I mean, you, you do never know 
about the things that you can't control. But as far as the things you can, I know one of one thing that we talked about before sitting down to record here too is how much of this is related to your actual technique of playing. So specifically for the violin, are there ways to play that prevent injury or make it more likely that you're going to get injured? I think it's it's pretty obvious to both of us that tension, you know, accumulated tension is maybe the broad term, the broad thing that captures all of it. Sure. I mean, I, I'm trying to think um, of situations, if there's a situation where I'm like tense for you know, a long period of time that could lead to injury. I mean, I, I don't think of myself as the most relaxed player, but, um, but fortunately I've haven't had to deal with it yet. So I don't know, maybe some of it is luck. Um, sure. I also, I, I think playing certain instruments is more conducive to injury that, you know, I'm not sure if I'm probably statistics bear this out, but you know, viola, for example, seems like an instrument where it's easier obviously easier to get injured than violin especially you know depending on your your physical makeup yeah you got more to hold up the stretches are yeah. bigger yeah the intervals are bigger the you know it's it's a, it's a more awkward instrument um and I, I you know i know people who've gotten injuries just because it's a little bit a little bit harder to play than a violin well so what are some of the things that you can do or not do on a violin and viola one thing I think of immediately is just finger pressure, uh, gripping and squeezing. I you mean, left the, or right hand or both? Both. Um, I think especially the left hand, there's a lot that goes into left hand technique, but the, the single biggest source of tension, I just, I, mean, I know from reading and then finally seeing it in so many students, um, squeezing between the thumb and finger of the left hand. Uh, okay. That's the most common, even <laughs> from the very beginning stages. And a lot of it in the beginning, it stems from, you know, not wanting to drop the instrument. Um, depends on how you've mm -hmm. been taught to hold it or support it. But squeezing there, and then even with very advanced and professional players, just too much finger pressure and, you know, really banging those fingers onto the fingerboard. Because, uh, I mean, a lot of people, I think, were taught that you've got to really hammer them down to get great articulation. So yeah, I mean, you must be very impressed with how... Uh my fingerboard looks actually i never noticed it but i remember in chicago yeah when we'd take our instruments in to get looked at and the <laughs> the guys there in the shop at bind and fushi would say wow kiko must have great finger but i honestly i never have noticed that about your playing so i i think they i think the wood of your fingerboard was just softer or something because <laughs> <laughs> so. i know i've seen you play a lot i've never noticed that but well and then in the right arm yeah, I mean, there's some people do squeeze the the bow stick, but I think often it's trying to press the bow down into the string to sort of get leverage from above. Yeah, you can raise your right shoulder, you I've can raise the right elbow. I've always been kind of a elbow. pronator with my hand, which isn't great. And you're the kind of the opposite. Your hand is very balanced on the on the stick, but um, I definitely, I guess the nice way to describe it would be a Russian bow hold. But well, yeah, I I was often talked to about it by my teacher growing up and he he told me i would get injured someday <laughs> i haven't <laughs> <laughs> so in your face akiko's Unna teacher unnamed teacher um but you know here i am with this wrist problem so <laughs> we'll blame the, the kettlebells yeah. staying aware i think of your body just like you would at the gym it i think it can sometimes be harder on the instrument because 
we have musical standards that we're trying to maintain and artistic ideas that we're thinking of. And sometimes the physical sensations are the last things we notice or we've been taught or we were accustomed to thinking that that's just all normal and it's part of, it's part of playing. Maybe violin just isn't meant to be comfortable. I have sometimes had in the past a hard time distinguishing between pain or tension that might lead to an injury and just fatigue because fatigue is okay. That can just mean that you're doing the right things, but <laughs> doing them too much or for too long, or it's just the end of a rehearsal day. And that, you know, unfortunately just comes with experience and guidance. I think if your teacher's looking at you and saying, you know, you're doing all the right things, but okay, you've been practicing for three hours a day and you're only used to two hours, you may just be tired and you need, you know, to take it a little easy. Maybe that's the secret to a uh, lack of injury for me is just not practicing that much. <laughs> I think I've, I've made use of that technique too. <laughs> hey, now we're, we're still here. <laughs> um, and what about certain types of music, certain genres of music or styles of playing? Um, I, I know that the, one of our former colleagues in the Chicago Symphony had a, a standing policy no John Adams any week that had John Adams. No. And they, and they, you know, he chose his vacation weeks, uh, just based on that because for whatever reason, he felt like when he had played John Adams in the past, he had gotten hurt. Now I, I love John Adams music. Um, there are certain pieces, not just of his, but some minimalist. Well, um, you know, I find it less the minimalist stuff. I mean, that certainly doesn't help, but, um, I'm a little bit disturbed by the the new tendency for crunching <laughs> the um some of the multisulpont markings that we get or you know if I was to keep that up for long stretches of time that's the one thing that I I I think might lead to problems for me so you're talking about in in some newer pieces of music uh having the string players create distortion like, yeah, I mean, yeah. probably I'm sure there's there is a good way to do it that would still be possible in a relaxed way, but it's it's so so easy to play that stuff in a way that is just all tension in the shoulder, and yeah. and can you know it's it's a sort of the fast track to injury. Well, so when you mention that crunching thing, I think what is unnatural about that motion is that it's it's supposed to sound like something's hitting a brick wall, basically, and in athletics you know if you swing a tennis racket you swing a golf club you don't make contact and then just freeze everything right there's a follow-through and in quote-unquote normal violin and string playing you know we're taught to there's a follow-through there's a, a finishing to every motion and the, you know we, we try to use circular motions whenever we can and not every bow stroke is like that even in you know, classical and romantic music, but right. We've played some pieces, um, that have, and some pieces I think use it quite well. I mean, it's a special effect and one that's used at dramatic moments. And then we've played some other pieces where it's just like <laughs> all the time we're supposed to be making these ugly guttural and percussive sounds. And yeah. And again, I'm, these all sound like judgmental words, you know, ugly. And most of the time this stuff is marked, triple forte because you know you're not going to play that softly but um but you, know, you can't keep that up for 10 minutes or longer and then it's like 
much of it is having to do it in a mindful way where you're not going to create that kind of problem, but it is, it is so much easier than if you're playing legato notes or, you know, standard technique. It is much, much easier to get injured if you're doing that. So... Right. You just have to be that much more careful. I mean, conversely, the I think the other music that makes me feel as if I might be getting injured is Baroque music. So, you know, oh, yeah. um, and you know so much about that, having played in St. Paul Chamber Orchestra, where you were playing not only Baroque music, but you're playing second violin. Um, <laughs> second violin being the other thing that I think is is not often thought of as injury inducing. But I think because you're, you know, I've played Schubert a lot of Schubert symphonies, second violin, and your your arm is not able to move, you know, around the, the range of strings from G to E, you end up a lot of the time playing on D and A. D and A. And, um, <laughs> and your arm is in this, that middle position for possibly most of a symphony, most of a 40-minute symphony, and um, or 50-minute, you know, Schubert 9. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, a lot of people think, I, I think a lot of non-string players look at a violinist and think, wow, that arm is really moving around, you know, it must be, must be so tiring for the arm, it, you know, it must be, you know, you get hurt moving the arm all around like that. And it's actually the opposite. The, yeah, the pieces that let you move all around are less tiring than the ones where you got to hold that static position. Yeah. And yeah, what we're I, playing I, nowadays, this Schumann Festival as well several weeks of all everything that schumann wrote for the orchestra that's pretty killer as was the schubert uh festival that we did to end last season right because and we we also had the chamber music thrown in both both last year and this year by our choice by our choice which added <laughs> because to it's the, great music the, yeah um but yeah i mean schubert nine famously <laughs> I don't know if causes a lot of injuries, but, uh, you know, those triplets and you're on low strings. Yeah. So composers now, if you want to have a, no injuries in your violin player, write a lot of singing legato lines on the A and E strings and, you know, free bows and, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, as you say, I mean, it's funny because the repertoire that probably feels least like you're causing injury to yourself is, is where you're you're playing in a lot of positions and it's like, you know, very, yeah, as you say, free and it's like Strauss, which Strauss, which is ironically thought of as being so difficult and it is, but I don't know if part of it is that he was, he wrote well for, for up for strings, for upper strings, especially. And, uh, and so you feel like you're using the range of your instrument and you're not hanging out in one range all the time. And I think it's the hanging out in the one range. That's the tough part. Yeah. And I think there's a, a mental slash spiritual component to this too. I mean, when there's music that I really care about, you mentioned earlier getting tense if something matters, if you're nervous about something. And yeah, absolutely. If it's music that, that I really want to come off in a certain way and I'm really going for it or I'm really, or maybe I'm, I'm not sure actually how it should sound. And that's making me tense. Um, in those situations, even, you know, I've gotten close to injury playing Beethoven, like a Beethoven string quartet. And it just didn't matters so much to me sure. how it sounds. And, uh, the, that can creep into all your emotions in a, in a subtle way. And 
So that's interesting. I mean, I, I think maybe I've talked about this slightly, maybe breakthrough is too dramatic a word, but um, preparing for an audition, I thought, you know, I'll take a, a little video of myself playing not just audio, but I'm going to see what I'm doing. And first of all, if you're over a certain age, just put on your full face and makeup before you do this. <laughs> after I watched it, I was pretty horrified. But um, I was amazed. You know, I was using a lot less bow than I thought I was. And so I, since that moment, I, I've been really trying to stretch out the sound. And I think of it sort of like, a, like my my playing it's always I think it's my unique problem in some ways a lot of yeah a lot of tension a lot of um compactness to my sound that isn't always good I mean it's almost never thought of as a beneficial quality and so I but yet it's gotten you so far whatever you're describing (laughs) you can always do better obviously so you know if you want to keep growing um it's nice to to realize you know these things you got to work on to have a real goal and so i it's like almost like a piece of dough you're trying to, you know, I've got this nice dough to work with and yet it's like real dense and like too chewy. So, you know, I'm trying to kind of keep always work on stretching it out and, and your bow always trying to get more length, more, even if your notes aren't actually longer, it's the same amount of sound, just spread out over a longer stretch of your bow. And, um, and, and I think, I think it's helped. I think that the impression has been lighter and a little more appealing well, I know um, reading Simon Fisher on that subject, one, one of the easiest ways to just, if you watch a video with no sound of two different violinists, chances are the one using more bow is the more accomplished player. I mean, it doesn't always work that way, mm-hmm. but in general, you know, if, if most people watch a video of themselves playing a certain piece and then put on a video of Perlman or Heifetz or Joshua Bell or anybody you know, they're going to see the big time soloists using a lot of bow. And that's because those folks can do that very freely while still controlling the position of the bow. Mm-hmm. And and that's because, you know, the the great soloists, they, they don't have that kind of restrictive tension. Right. They're not. <laughs> that's part of it, too. They're not asked to play triple P sure. for a two hour rehearsal. And, you know, some of them could deal with it quite well, I'm sure, and some not. But yeah, if you're in the orchestra life, you have to be able to to, to do that and to figure out whether that's a sort of resting your bow arm on your leg when you can. <laughs> yeah, so that's, you know, that ties in. I mean, the, our profession is one where, you know, I always say this sort of sad thing. It's, we're more, more, more valued for what we don't do sometimes than what we do, especially as section players. Um, yeah, it takes a lot of skill not to do certain things. Yeah, and you know you have to be, you know, once in a while it's not you're not totally clear on what's happening, and you have to be ready to say I'm, you know, the sound cuts off here, and I'm, no matter what's, you know, if something's a little ambiguous before you're done at this beat, and you, you know, <laughs> that kind of thinking makes you, eventually you feel as if you're always prepared to stop your sound, and that thinking is basically the opposite of not only how we were trained, but how great music works, great sound works. So, you know, that's it's a little bit of a, like a paradox that we're always having to fight against. And so I think, you know, again, the need to practice when you're not at work, because 
Right. Otherwise, that Stretch side out. starts to dominate, and the, the stopping the sound becomes the thing that you become used to instead of opening the sound. Yeah. Well, I mean, athletes would never dream in this day and age, and I could probably for the last 30 years, I mean, you wouldn't train without the help of video. I mean, everybody uses video. That's been, you know, we're way behind the times in that. I remember even when I've taken, you know, the, the pricier golf lessons and they've mm. gotten me on video and they're able to put me on the split screen next to Tiger Woods. And, you know, the for one thing, that makes me... I you might think, oh, that would make you feel really terrible and inferior, but actually it makes you feel like a total superstar. You're like, I'm on the same screen as Tiger Woods. We're and both I, swinging I the remember, club. You know, my swing didn't look that bad. Not, like side by side, it was just like, you know, 10% as fast. <laughs> yeah. It was like already done. I was just starting. Well, similar. Yeah. I mean, bow speed and swing speed with a golf club. It's a, It's such a similar thing, right? Because you know, those fast golf swings, they, they look and they feel really free and easy. They're super fast, but they're also just well controlled because all the fundamentals are there. And obviously that's what we want on the violin. That's what everybody wants to be able to do. But (laughs) yeah, I loved watching those videos and hearing the, the calm instructor's voice. He's like, now here where Tiger gets just to parallel. So you're stopping, you know, well short and Actually, I think in my case, I was going way past because I couldn't control it. But yeah, there were, there were many, many differences, which he uh, marked with a little red <laughs> telestrator on the video. Telestrator. But no, if, if, if we could all have that for our uh, bow strokes and our uh, general playing, I think we'd, we'd probably avoid more injuries. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if it, if it was like an NBA team? Oh yeah, like Where a we team had like the, doctor, team the, the trainer. Sport, yeah, the doctor, the, like the, yeah, the injury facilities and then and then like the coaches for various there'd be a, a you know the bow stroke coach yeah <laughs> there'd be the yeah the... but then if it if it really worked like the sports t- sports teams the doctor's mm. main priority would be getting us back on stage they just shoot us up you know with horse tranquilizers and say, yeah, get ta- back out there I'll take them we need you for the schumann festival <laughs> the tranks <laughs> give me the tranks. you can rest in june that's right that's um, what june is for <laughs> Well, I think we've, uh, we haven't exhausted the possibilities, but I'm actually feeling, I'm feeling upbeat covering this subject. Cause I, I feel like there's, like you said, there's always room to grow and the ideals that we're after that looseness, that fluidity, you know, it's good for the sound. It's good for us. And, you know, everybody's going to face setbacks as, as we have, but rest and time you know, the, the will allow you to get that second chance. And we've got our big, our big break coming up in just, you know, a week and a half. So we're yeah. looking forward to some recharging and, and I've, I've got a little project for, for June, oh, what's that? which is to improve my fast passage confidence. So, Oh, right. Next time we can talk about how that's going. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I had a few videos I was hoping to make about that. So maybe I'll, see what you think of them before I actually make them into videos. And I'll still be playing. I've got some teaching to do in Philadelphia at the David Kim Orchestral Institute. And um, yeah, I should be practicing for Stravinsky Concerto with the LA Phil the last day of July. July 31st. Yay. I had a nightmare about it already. 
Ooh. I had one of those. I told you. Yeah. One of those where I, the concert was upon me and I realized that I had decided to do it without music. And yet I couldn't even tell you how the second or the third movement started. Probably won't happen. Yeah. Um, let's make that not happen. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for joining us again. And we, uh, can't wait to have you back for the next episode of Stand Partners for Life. 